What's up, that adventure podcasters? It's your boy here, JJ Jiro, and on today's show, we've got a very incredible man who goes by the name of Chris Linnett, because that's his name. He's an amputee who says losing his leg was probably one of the best things that's happened to him, and despite that, he's climbed up Mount Kilimanjaro and gone on many adventures along the way, listening to hear what he had to do when his leg fell off during training, and how the climb went overall. I hope you enjoy it. So, first of all, hello, and thank you very much for um, <laughs> agreeing to do this podcast with me. And uh, if if you'd like to just introduce yourself to anyone listening, and also if you could give me your uh, your two facts, or one fact and one lie, and we'll try and guess which one's which. Brilliant. Okay, well, my name's Chris Linnett. Um, I'm an amputee, above an amputee, self-employed lawyer, married two kids. Um, I work a lot of hours in the week, which means I work hard, play hard. Um, my facts, so my my one, my my truth and my lie, basically. So here we go. I'm very very shy, and the other one is I talk too much. So which one do you think is true? <laughs> Quite the opposite. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I I don't know actually. I'm gonna go for you're very very shy. No, um, I, no, <laughs> okay, no, I do talk too much. You're asking mum. <laughs> well, I'm glad you talk too much because at least you're on a podcast. Well, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you do some talking yeah. <laughs> rather than just sit there in silence, which is always good. <laughs> oh dear. So, so obviously um, we'll, we'll get on to the whole Kilimanjaro thing a bit later on, but have you always sort of uh, been outdoorsy have, or has it come to you later on? Well, it's ever since I was a kid, my um, older brother, he was, I mean, what is he? He's 12 years older than me. So he left home when I was about four or five and got a job in the Air Force um, uh, as part of mountain search and rescue. So it was always intriguing. And growing up, he got sent on a few missions that were made public, some that were a bit secret. Um, But he always always seemed to travel the world. and, 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 you know, for years I watched him through as as a, as a brother you know he'd just got back from climbing Mont Blanc or he'd been to Bolivia climbed mm. the hills up there done some really amazing expeditions and um was that all with the air force was it yeah yeah absolutely oh, and right. um, awesome. for me that there was a bit of a bug there but when I was about 14 15 I went up and stayed with him for a week at RAF Leeming and he had some okay. people coming on who were coming to trial with him at the top of the hills and said, oh, I'm going to go and do some abseil. I was like, oh, brilliant, all that. And he took us up to somewhere that was really high. And I went back on this rope, looked back down. I thought, there is no way you get me down there. And he just <laughs> laughed. And I kind of took my foot off the gas a bit for a few years. But then the bugs started coming back that... Um, it wasn't until after I lost my leg, really, which was about 2006, and then we went to Austria, and I've never really experienced any sort of mountains. I went there, and I was okay. absolutely in awe about how beautiful the mountains actually are when they're white crisp. Mm. Yes, it's cold, but there's something about it being really fresh, something about it being really comfortable, and it's something about you just feel at peace, if that makes sense. So um, yeah. it was about that year... Ooh, was that it was 2009 and I said to my brother I said look I, I really want to go and climb Mont Blanc myself with one leg and he went you've only really just lost your leg I thought I was insane and um, 
he said, come on, let's go and do Snowden. Um, that was back then. So we went up there and we did the, um, not quite the quick crib goch route, but there was another one that was a bit tougher. And um, we yeah. did okay. I didn't get to the top that day because the weather was a bit poor at the top. Um, mm. But yeah, we... we, we, we do you did... never know what the weather's going to be like on Snowden, do you? No. Well, it can change at a drop of a hat just <laughs> like that. And, exactly, yeah. And it's a beautiful mountain. But um, yeah, so we did that trek. Um, and then the next day he went and did a couple more treks on his own with his friend up there because obviously I'm, I'm disabled as such slowed him down a bit and then I let it be for a couple of years I, I looked at the Mont Blanc climb and I thought that, that was a big big risk so I took up the hobby to go out skiing instead so go skiing on one mm. leg um went done done quite a few of the resorts so we've been to um where have we been we've been to Courchevel we've been to La Plan a lot we've been to Whistler um and skiing on one leg very nice. you get you, you, you get time off so my job is very very busy so mountain climbing is a bit or trekking is not quite the same thrill as skiing because when you're skiing you have to think about what you're doing in the here and now but if you're trekking you, your mind starts to think you get to talk to people but on the other hand you actually do if you have a problem I think it's really good to go find a really nice steep hill with a friend who you can trust and who you love say be your partner, your children, and like that. And you know what? You get some of the best headspace you can ever get by being out in... Definitely. Definitely. If you go out for a walk with someone, especially in a sort of place of beauty, so like, say, if we go to Dartmoor around here, you're you're not forced to chat to someone, but you naturally do just start chatting to them. And it just... It's it's a really nice experience. It doesn't matter who you're with, and you, you'll just start sort of opening up almost, and you start to make nice, nice bonds with people that way. Absolutely. It really, really helps. So... Um, it was about from from the we'd done the skiing and then it was a couple of years ago. I'm stood on the rugby sidelines and I'll tell you the truth. I just felt a little bit like I wasn't fitting in with some of the dads and I thought well, it'd be nice to get to know them a bit more. So I said, "Who wants mm. to climb Kilimanjaro?" And these like, blokes were like, "Really?" I said, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." So um, I, I'm trustee of a charity called Limb Power, which is connected to the amputation okay. and all that. And I, I mentioned it to the CEO, said, why don't we organise an event that no other charity does? Let's take a team of amputees up and see if they can do it. And so we did. Oh, awesome. Um, that's incredible, that. That's yeah. So that that started, that, uh, that idea changed a lot of people's lives having done it and gone through there. Um, mm. And what we did, we just bounced it out on Facebook saying who's interested. But we got about... 30 people um we only needed 15 and we only ended up taking about 17 in the end because you know what people are like okay. they say yes 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 and when it actually push comes yeah. to shove they drop out like flies last minute that's it yeah as soon as it starts to get serious almost oh it, it's so frustrating it really is and and so for me if you're going to do something you throw yourself at it full blast you have to be doing as you say and make sure that you plan it every step of the way so that any eventuality is covered so this charity the ceo called kira she's fantastic at organization skills and she's she's a bit here there and everywhere but she's she she likes to do the outdoorsy thing as well so back in 2014 we cycled from london to amsterdam same charity oh, awesome team team of amputees and it was just a different type of holiday it's three days away um, but the one thing, I th like I said to you uh, in the past, is that the one mistake I made really was not involving my family. I treated it more as a holiday for myself. And it's a shame mm. because it's an experience which I've I've done. I spent a year building up to it, training for it. And none of my family could sit in and enjoy the outcome of us getting Part to the top. share the yeah, yeah, and, and, and that kind of, it hasn't ruined it, don't get me wrong. But it's quite painful 
to me that you know if I start talking about it, they get they switch off or they um, mm. can't appreciate what we actually achieved, and that's that's my biggest bugbear is that I should have done it with them. Um, yeah definitely I think a lot of people say when they do things like this even if it's just like your teenage going off traveling or people just going on different expeditions they get their post-adventure blues and it's when they come back and everyone's just being normal they've gone to work they've done this and they they haven't they don't sort of almost don't understand that you've had this such a high and you want to share it with someone yeah absolutely and and even now because some of the chaps that went on it some of them had some health issues before they went so they had to pull out last minute um but some of their wives say to them saying well what chris done was incredibly selfish for their families and for my family i'm like thinking okay no i didn't think of it like that um Mm. and i've reflected on what they've said and i think yeah from their perspective i can probably see why because at the end of the day you're going away for what is pretty much 10 days you're leaving young families behind where at the end of the day it's it is a hill and it's very very high but the chance mm. of something going wrong is actually quite high so I, I i kind of like that buzz but when we go skiing yeah it's true adventure isn't yeah, it? it yeah it is and when we go skiing the, the, the buzz is exactly the same and the difference was is that they were still at home i was over there and like i say that 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 was that's something I, i'll always regret about it and it's done now. If I get to do it again, I'll make sure that they're with me or somewhere a bit different because mm. my, my next idea will be to take them to do the Makapichu route. Oh, uh, nice. That's That looks a really lovely place. It does, doesn't it? Amazing yeah. photos you can get from up there, that's for sure. Absolutely. We can go up. It's, it's not particularly high, um, but you can camp up there over a period of, mm. I think it's two weeks or something like that. But South, oh, nice. South America, I don't know if you've been following that program on TV where they're doing um, the race across. Yeah, race across the world. Awesome, isn't it? I'm just, I tell you what, watching that program, I'm just like, I just, why are we on lockdown? I want to, I want to go on holiday. I want to go travel to all these places. It's such a, it's, it's weird, especially when you're like, for me personally, trying to sort of run my own business in a time. I'm like, I can't take the time off to go and do these amazing things, but I really want to. So I'm trying to like, trying to work really hard now. So hopefully in, I don't know, five years or so, I might, might be able to take off, take a month off or so to be Absolutely. able to go over to South America it's, and do something. Well, you mustn't let it be a might because all this, like me climbing Kilimanjaro was, uh, uh, would be, should be, and I made it to, mm. it was happening. And it happened, and that's yeah, fair enough. It's like as we said, we've got we've got a shared love for Tony Robbins, and he says as soon as something becomes a must, you'll make it happen, and that's it. It's, it's totally true, and in, in relating it to to the outdoors world, and like in you saying, uh, like obviously you saying to say being disabled with um, missing a leg, uh, it hasn't stopped you doing anything because no. it was your must to go and do it. And Absolutely, it's, it's incredible. I share, that I share you, a little book it. here, right? And I haven't opened this up for a while, and, and I keep meaning to, and I've got to pull my finger out my backside and do this, but um, I, I went to Jim, uh, Tony Robbins' mentor, Jim Rohn. Jim Rohn, yeah. And um, I wrote down here all his uh, lists, if you like, about targets and stuff like that. And when, when I look on here about what I've done, it said, so last year um, I did a holiday, it was my 40th, so I thought, right, okay, what do I want to do? So... I, I've got a literally a goal sheet here, so I don't know if you can see that here, but it says, I want to climb Kilimanjaro, I want to clear the business overdraft, I want to be mortgage-free, I would like to, a new bathroom, I'd like... Whatever the hell that says, I can't read that. <laughs> I want a Tesla X, I want to go to Japan, 
I want to buy a house in Florida and I want to ski in Utah. I want to go to California. Well, I look at that. I've done Kilimanjaro. I've cleared the business overdraft. Um, nice. I've got a new bathroom on order. Um, I bought a Tesla X. I've done <laughs> Florida. It's, and the thing is, yeah. and I put this down to the fact that I wrote down his numbers saying one, three, five, and 10. Yes, I want to be mortgage-free, mm. but there's just no chance. I haven't got that sort of income yet, but I might do in the next 10 years if I dedicate some time to it. But mm. I, I didn't realise all of this, and it's all there. And I did the California road trip. I went to Yosemite, climbed up around there in August. And do you know what? It really focused the mind, because I was thinking, oh, I'll never be able to afford to do all this. Just cleared off the business overdraft two weeks ago. and that, that That's was, amazing. That was 110,000. Well Thank you. 110,000. But <laughs> I put that down to Tony Robbins and to that. And whilst people think, oh, I might have seen a bit stressed and been all that, I'm 40 mm. years old. I can still wear the same trousers I bought when I was 20 years old, which is down to oh, that. Yeah. But I put this down to all this focus in the mind, focus on where you want to go. And people say, well, are you happy? Damn right. I'm, I'm, doing, I'm actually living a life where, all right, I might have upset my family by going to Kilimanjaro, but I've learned what I did wrong. So the next... That's it. You've learned from it. It's allowed yourself to grow and become, Completely. sort of go that step further to what you want to Completely. be. Completely. It's, um, it's great. <laughs> We're in danger here of going to put people off of this adventure. Getting too into our life coaching from Tony Robbins. Absolutely. <laughs> but this is what I say, though. You know, it's like you're saying about, we're going about race across America. There's no reason why you can't do that. All you've got to no, do definitely. is put pen to paper and come out with... Figure out how you can do how. it and execute your plan, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. So it's the same for anyone looking to do something. You can do it. You can't let it put you off. And uh, this is why, exactly why I've started this podcast, is to chat to people who've done some really good things. So, you, yeah, you are the average of the five people you hang out with. And if you're hanging out with the people who are climbing up Kilimanjaro, people who, one guy just chatted to, he had to hide for 24 hours from a polar bear. So that's a pretty good story. And it's just like these people have done some pretty crazy stuff. And it's like, well, you know what? I, I am going to go and do go and do it. I've just got to figure out which one I'm going to do. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, Kilimanjaro was full of its problems. So we get there. We didn't know who our team were because we, we'd spoken to some of them via Facebook chat. Um, but mm. there were two medics. They both, uh, one was quite poorly, but bless her, she fought on through. Her husband or partner, I should say, is a paramedic helicopter pilot lovely lovely couple oh yeah um, no. made some really good friends and then there was some who were a bit noisy you think okay <laughs> um some yeah. people didn't make it i mean there was a guy that went through the nip um, through the hip amputee and he got as far as he could get physically and the nhs had let him down with his leg but do you know what he did yeah, so okay. incredibly well um halfway up i thought i was gonna have to quit this was like day five before it was, it was day before summit night and you're walking along and you take one step and the food's gone through you, if you know what I mean, quite literally. You think, mm, oh, no, it's going to pass me away. Oh, no, it's an accident. Mm. Then you spend a night on, con on on solitary confinement. That is really lonely when that happened. And okay. th this is a common misconception. People don't realise, but when you get up there, the altitude is changing. You're getting lightheaded. Um, you can take anti-sickness pills. But if you've got symptoms, the doctors have absolutely no problem, as do the... Um, Sherpas, whatever you call them, um, they're sending you back down the mountain because it is a high risk. I mean, All right. On the night, so I got through that, and then on summit nights, so you go to bed at about eight o'clock and they wake you up at about midnight. 
you're already dressed. It is absolutely freezing, and the buzzing that's in your head is just like, yes, I'm going to do this. But trekking yeah. from from one o'clock till seven o'clock in the morning is pretty boring, and. Mm, that's the thing. I think people see the the glamorous side of it on Instagram. They see people at the peaks, but they sometimes you don't quite understand what goes into it. But it's the journey which makes it because it's it's like if you're going to go up Snowdon, you can get the train to the top, but you don't get the satisfaction as if you've walked to the top. It's uh... no, no. And the one thing I did do in the summer of Snowdon is like I walked to the top, but I had to get the train back down because my leg fell off. Not many people can have that as an excuse, can they? Oh, God, yeah, but that was the hardest thing, was trying to persuade the train driver to let me on his train. The amount of people that say, no, no, you walked up here, you get yourself back down, but I managed it. And uh, <laughs> again, that's down to a little bit of persuasion. And, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's great. Um, so do you, do you think that... Um, Losing a leg has sort of limited you in, in what you've been able to do sort of outdoors wide, or have you not let it stop you, just you found the way to do it? I think it's inspired me to get off my backside and do more because every day, oh, really? I mean, this lockdown is, I'm trying my best to cope with it, but mentally I'm really struggling with it because I'm watching people. Mm, it's difficult. Well, I go out and exercise, but I'm watching people getting the opportunity to go out and run, and they never go and run ever. And do you know what? When I had two legs, I never really did it. And I would love now, if someone said to me, let's go and do a marathon, I'm like, oh, God, I'd be well up for it, you know? So I've got a blade, but do you know, it really hurts. It's not that sort of stuff. So the way I do it, I'm already planning my next trips in my head, thinking, okay, but I haven't put pen to paper yet because I haven't quite broached the subject with my wife about what we're going to do together. Yeah. So it's quite difficult. My eldest son's dance is, is in year 10 doing his GCSEs, so I want okay. to do something next winter, but I can't because he'll be in year 11. It's not my right to ruin his life for his exams. Mm. Although I think, you know, he'll probably learn a lot more by going to, um, I don't know, the Himalayas for a couple of weeks and speaking mm. to a Tibetan monk who's stayed up there and tried to meditate and survived. You know, you, you see, I think there's yeah. a lot of word education. Which you I learn different learn. lessons. Yeah. But that's quite selfish of me to do that. And I think what I've already done is probably selfish enough. So just because that's next year, it doesn't mean that it can't happen. So rather than, than that, I've got to control my eagerness and think, OK, well, let's just keep getting fit. The time will come and it will happen. That's it, yeah. And, and trying to stay patient. And the one thing I look back in my life that I've done too much is that whenever I want something, I want it now rather than... Oh, think, exactly the same. And it's it's having that bit of patience and just waiting out for it, and it, it'll make it worth it. You, you'll know if it's worth it if you're prepared to wait as well. Yeah, definitely. well, as long as you keep planning, because yeah. if there's a way to do things, you'll find that way, but you've got to write mm. it down, and you've got to get it through. And the one thing with Killy is that a lot of people wrote a journal up there and all that, but there isn't a day that passes where I haven't got a memory of something that day where or, you know it's in my head, I'm, I'm lucky like that, I guess. But the amount of people that I see like with this lockdown that are running around, I just think, so now you're told you can't exercise, you can. So yes. when the lockdown's lifted, because I walk my dogs every single day. I've got a pug and a King Charles Cavalier, nothing tremendous, but cute dogs. Mm. And I walk the same routes. And you know what? I've never seen these people in the last five years get off the backside and exercise. And yet now, yeah. oh, no, 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 I've got to go and do that. I just thought, yeah, so, it's, it's, I know what you mean. You do see them out about... So for me, I guess there's going to be an influx of people who are now going to say, well, I'm going to live my life to the full. So I think, Mm. well, perhaps some places might be a bit out of bound, like Macapitchu. I I don't know. Perhaps they'll just 
keep to their local little exercise regimes. I don't know, but it's mm. it's for me. I'm thinking right. Okay, well, I want to get a bit more away from the local people and get more to um, a little bit more culture and stuff. So, like I say, now that race across America is on, I think wow, you know. Yeah, I'm exactly the same with the culture side of the thing you're saying. It's just it's it's completely. You can go to like sort of mainland Europe where it's it's very westernized. It's all the same. But if you're going into South America where that everyone's going to be speaking a different language and not many people will be speaking English. It's just, it's a completely different ball game. Just the whole, everything's different. Yeah, the culture's completely different. The food they eat is completely different and you just immerse yourself in something else. It can, that that is an adventure, isn't it? You're just, you're proper, taking yourself out of your comfort zone. Absolutely. I mean, the one thing I took away that I, still to this day, there was a chap, so there's 80 Sherpas on this trip. And we had to have a lot because we we're amputees and if there are people that need to be carried down, like, they had to be down. But there was one guy called Richard who was our leader, if you like. Our, and do you know what? He, he, I'd never seen somebody who commanded so much respect. He was only about five foot three, but he'd ran mm. up and down Kilimanjaro. He got the third world record or something. That's insane, it in like isn't it? Nine hours or something ridiculous. It mm. really was. But he was little, but he had really big lungs. You know, really, you read the books, you just thought, wow, what a fascinating guy. And... Um, he was just such an amazing leadership that he commanded the respect from the whole team. And yeah. he was just so motivational about it and all that. And, you know, at the end of it, I, was, I got a bit down. I was talking to him. He just said, because um, there were two of us that made it to the top of Kilimanjaro, which was um, this other lady called Rebecca. She was a above knee amputee, but she was born with it. So that's okay. a bit different, whereas mine was done through accident and elective amputation. So I say that because it gives me a bit more credos. <laughs> Yeah. Sure, <laughs> sure, sure. Do you mind me asking? Um, I had a motorbike accident in 2002. So okay. I spent four years trying to save it. And then, yeah, and then... I, I elected to have it chopped off in 2006. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that, but no, it don't be. hasn't stopped you from achieving what many no, people would no. wish to achieve. So. No, don't be. Don't be today. Sorry, because it's, it's probably one of the best things that ever happened to me, I reckon. So, oh, right. you know. So with them... Um, with obviously you climbed Kilimanjaro and you're one of the two to make. So how did you how did you train for it then? So uh, obviously you've been up Snowdon and was it was it also UK based? You decided to well uh, initially I started off with my dog on the first morning. Um, I took him for a two k walk that we did that and he decided to collapse. Um, he's a pug. Oh, excellent. So he, he weighed about 12k. So I didn't have a backpack on. So I ended up lifting him walking about the whole two k and he was all right. He, he, don't know what happened, but that testing, I was thinking, good God, that's what it's going to be like with a, with a minor backpack on as well. I was knackered. Yeah. Um, so I did that. That was in January 19. Um, and then I started planning a few weekends up in the moors, but basically locally around Devon, we've got some really lovely coastal walks. Um, yeah. And there's a place, I don't know if you know, Broadsands. Um, you can yes, walk, yeah. You can walk, from there, walk from there to Brixham, and that's a really... Mm-hmm tough route lovely isn't it it is but that actually replicates Killy in some really decent ways because does it it does because you, you can get up the if you can get some sand on there as well and all that it, it, it replicates kind of like the volcanic side of things uh, oh awesome but you get up and down paths and you can go up through moors because it's not up until you get to the actual summit night that it gets really really tough some people will kill me for saying that but it's very similar to that and Dartmoor um, but I did that a couple of times um, and we walked along around the whole of Tynmouth and Dawlish a lot because if you walk the coastal path to Dawlish from Tynmouth, um, mm-hmm. that again is a bit like that, but that's very similar yeah. to Torbay 
painting and all that. So it, the practice was, you know, I, I had to get up to a minimum of walking around about 10K a day. So that's what I do. Okay. And, and I kind of maintain that now, apart from when I'm working. So since lockdown, I mean, I'm getting in with sort of 12, 15,000 steps a day. Um, yeah. So sort the of watch says, anyway. But Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> but yeah, so you, you, you try and do that. And, 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 and it does hurt. You know, wearing a prosthetic is not a practical bit of kit it does pinch it does yeah. cause sores yeah, okay. people think oh yeah you do really well and all that but they, they really they don't really understand they don't see the cuts the bruises the embarrassment of falling over they don't see what it's like when someone sat there staring at you thinking oh wow you know or there's kids asking questions you just think god man i just gotta just remain a bit bulletproof in this mindset um and it's yeah and it's very easy to let self-pity get in sometimes but you've okay you've got to stand guard at the, at the front of your mindset really because the second you let mm. your guard down it's like a, a, a cannibal coming inside just blowing all up and get like i say get very upset and i guess that could be you could use that for anyone with any sort of disability trying to do anything not necessarily just their leg anything if, it, if they're starting to let the self-pity come in it's sort of trying to find the ways to to stop that happening because otherwise it might stop them from doing doing what will actually make them happy and um, and that mindset, you know, those emotions rose their head on summit night. So when it's one o'clock in the morning, you're tired, but you're buzzing. Um, you are out of water because it's so cold up there. Your water bag's frozen up. Anybody's got any water bottles frozen up. Um, my leg broke. Um, so that collapsed a couple of times. Mm. So I ended up climbing up on three limbs to get there. But when, you know, it's like four o'clock in the morning, pitch black, you can see the party that left about two hours before you looking and you're going up and up and up and thinking... How the hell am I going to get up there? It's quite a lonely yeah. place, and for a lot of people, loneliness is a very scary place. Um, and that is very similar to this. You think, what am I doing this for? You know, I, I'm I've got to stop playing Johnny Big Balls here for trying to prove that I can climb to the <laughs> highest. <laughs> that. But yeah, do you, do you know what? You put a headphone in, listen to some music, concentrate, count your steps, whatever stages of take it one step at a time and then the, your goal is going to you're going to get there if you just take the steps aren't you absolutely and and it 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 is hard it is hard and you know you get to the first summit which is called actually i've got my certificate just here which i can't i think it's called Eurohu Eurohu or something like that um, <laughs> but there, there, there's my certificate which says that i climbed it and awesome, you've, yeah. you've got a couple of points there which is um first point is called gilman's point we a lot of our crew stopped there they said no enough's enough there okay there were a few nosebleeds people were feeling sick and they started to make the way back down stellar point well if you get to stellar point you have to carry on for the other one because it's just a few boulders and you can actually see the summit in the background it's about an hour. Right. it's about an hour in between the two but what they do is you have to get i got there well i left at one got there at seven thirty in the morning and they give you this little certificate to do it and it's like it's nice i like it but it is a challenge and a half because you're climbing up and you're seeing people perfectly fit men like yourself whatever lying there talking absolute gibberish um, mm. and next thing you know they're getting they, they, they get two of the sherpas one goes under this arm one goes under the left arm and they literally just run you down that mountain and Crikey. it is absolutely amazing because the the ground is like this soft sandy silt it's, it's, it's volcanic ash yeah and um but every now and then there's a boulder and sometimes people do get killed on the way down when they carry them down because they might misjudge where they bounce. Someone falls mm. over, bangs their head, and before you know it, you snuffed it because there's no medical care out there. 
that's it. If you're on, out on a mountain, even it doesn't matter if you're in Africa or if you're on in Dartmoor. If you're out on the mountain uh, and you you do something bad, you you you're, you're pretty much screwed. I mean, luckily, I mean, I'm, I'm I've said it in my last video. I'll, I'll say it again. I'm in the Dartmoor Search and Rescue team, so we've got people here who will get called out to come and help you. But I mean, you're going to be on your own for a while. So oh wow, would you have any sort of like? tips or advice for anybody thinking of wanting to go on on a little adventure go on chase some outdoor pursuit even if it's just like a simple local one do you have any advice you'd give someone who's thinking about it yeah i do I, th I think um make sure that you do it with the consent of everybody so that if you do it you go out there and you thoroughly enjoy it because i always had in the back of my mind that my wife and kids were behind and i knew that they weren't happy about me doing it not so much my kids, they okay. weren't, but my, my wife was quite upset that I was going. It was just like, great thanks, because we had difficulties with their health issues and that time. I was like, oh, yes, yeah, it's in two weeks, I'm off. Oh, right, okay, yeah. Um, I think the training, I think a lot of people overate, overeg the training, and there's a lot of people say, go and try the um, oxygen tank in London and all that. And do you know what? I never did any of this, and um, what I did do, you've got to walk, but make sure you've got a really comfy pair of boots. Make sure that you don't do anything daft that could cause an injury. So if you've got a niggling knee injury, something like that, like three or four weeks before you go, go get it fixed. And if it hasn't gone by two weeks, kick in the insurance because it's going to ruin it. You know, you, you are risking an injury or yeah. ruining it for yourself and everybody else. Um, but the thing is, is, is go out there and just enjoy it. You know, it really is. And, and I, I'd never stop anyone from doing it. Quite the opposite. I'd say do it. And if... Do it, yeah. You know, the... the, the even when you get the dark thoughts that say, oh, I'm not going to do this, I'm going to quit and all that. Do you know what? You're only at 40%. You've got another 60% to push yourself. And That's it, yeah. And visualisation, whatever you want to use, it's there. It's there. You know, I mean, I've heard some real horror stories of people climbing Kilimanjaro. And I just thought, wow. And do you know what? I just can't see how, how they got themselves so in such a mess, other than the brain must have just kicked in at some point of saying... Um, it made it so difficult because the trekking it's so slow you don't have to be mm. physically fit if that makes sense you don't have to be the physically mentally prepared to go mm. sort yeah. of one and it's a mental game the other. Yeah. and because like I said I mean I was reasonably fit don't get me wrong but you know it wasn't hard you know I didn't have to be flipping Linford Christie to get up there what I had to be was pretty determined in my mind and that's that's all yeah. I think and you know I actually found Snowden harder than Killy Oh, fair enough. Probably because of the rocks, the people walking up it, and then try and persuade a Welshman to let me on his train. <laughs> <laughs> Not the easiest, especially being English. They yeah. don't want to let you on. I tell you, when we, we walked up Snowden a couple of years ago on New Year's Eve, and uh, there were people in flip-flops trying to go up it. And I was, I just thought, it's just manic. So I think one thing is just... Maybe have a little idea of what what you should be wearing. To, as you said, Absolutely. a couple of pair of boots will support you, and then yeah, it makes it makes it a little bit well, easier for you. That's the other thing. It's like when you're going up there, the Sherpas that go up there, they don't have the proper gear. So guys turn up pair of wearing like long shorts, a pair of old Reebok trainers, and you know what? They're carrying all this like a massive toilet or all your luggage on the on their heads like mm. that. So be prepared that if you do go out there to leave your gear behind because they've got these puppy eyes that look at you going. Oh, I really like your shoes, you know. So uh, yeah, <laughs> I, lo I lost a pair of trousers, but and I lost um, my boots, but I actually gave them 
Um, I had a really lovely knife that I took out that was just a bit bushwhacking if we needed it. It wasn't yeah. that type of holiday, but I ended up giving it to the leader of the pack to say thanks. I, I, your your leadership skills really impressed upon me about how respect is keen. And I mean, how, how he managed to get 80 people to do exactly as he said for that holiday, because mm. it works off. You know, you've got the new people who end up doing the really poor jobs like cleaning out the toilet every day. And do you know what they did yeah. it with a smile, right to the guy at the top who'd end up doing the dance in the morning, you know, and uh, they all had exactly the same smile, and it was genuine. It felt genuine. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, that is good. It's true leadership if you can get get your team to do that. That's yeah, great. yeah, it was, it was. So, you know, if you ever get a chance to do Killy, do it because it's something that. At the top, it, it's quite boring. I'm not gonna lie; it's a bit. It's an old volcano. It looks <laughs> like Mars, you know. It's like oh, great. Um, but if you get to do it, it's a sense of accomplishment that's amazing. I bet a lot of people say the same thing. Is they they'll get to the end of their journey, and I think you could probably reflect this in life a bit, going going a bit deep. But like, it's not it's not the end which is what you want. It is the whole experience of doing it, the feeling of accomplishment, and knowing what you've just done to get there, which makes it. It's not like. It's not, yeah, you're not going to change the world by getting, being on top. It's not going to make you feel good. It's the fact that you've got there yourself. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and the weight loss was amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. So, sorry about the random end to that podcast, but it was one of my first ones and I just didn't end it. We just ended chatting and stuff, which was completely unrelated. But I hope you enjoyed it. There were some very good very good points made by Chris there and I know we got a little bit sidetracked from our personal coaching from Tony Robbins but some very good points there it just proves that whether it's a leg you've lost or something else it doesn't doesn't have to stop you from going on that adventure